Welcome to the Toxin Terminator, helping people to restore and renew their health by removing the toxins from the home and their lives. Join in as industry thought leaders help you understand the physical and emotional effects these products can have on you and your family, and the safe alternatives you can use to remove the hidden toxins for renewed health. Now, please welcome your host, the Toxin Terminator herself, Amy Carlson. If we burn ourselves, we cannot heal that burn if we are still on the flame, right? That would be silly to put salve on a burn and then put our hand right back on that stove. The same is true for healing our bodies. If you've changed the way you eat and are moving your body daily but still lacking that energy and in constant pain and you can't lose the weight, then maybe it's time to remove your hand from the fire. If this is something you need help with, go to transformingwomenshealth.com and click on Vitality Accelerator. We are helping women boost their body's natural detox, accelerate fat loss with ease, and reverse aging naturally. Why are we offering this? Well, number one, community. We are 95% more likely to achieve our health goals when we are surrounded by like-minded women. Genes are not our destiny. We know through these steps we can prevent and reverse chronic disease. No more guesswork and no more gimmicks. We know working with an expert coach gets us results faster with simple lifestyle changes. And lastly, the new normal. This last year has taught us how important our health is. Now is the time to revitalize. Check us out at transformingwomenshealth.com and click on Vitality Accelerator. And good morning. Welcome to another episode. We are so excited for our next guest because this is a topic we really, truly have not discussed at all throughout our More Than Pink Ribbons journey and so, so important. So you'll see that we've got Dr. Nasha Winters with us in the house this morning. We're so excited. She is not only a cancer thriver, she is a naturopath who has moved her to be training physicians, working with patient advocates. So excited to have that voice in the field. You know, we're all about changing the voice of breast cancer. That's what this movement is about. And today, we're really going to learn on how to build that tribe around us. Who are the people, who are the team that we need to have beside us while we're going through this journey? Dr. Nation, we're so excited to have you here. Thank you so much. What a great group to be part of. I'm so honored that you invited me to, to present. And I'm excited to hear from my friends and colleagues in this as well. So it's a great, I'm just telling you before we started, what a great resource you're creating here. So thank you. Oh, thank oh. you. Well, and I have to personally say, I'm a huge fan girl of yours. I mean, I've read your book. I've listened to it. It's always in my top list that I recommend. So I think your work is so important. And I'm excited to hear what you have to say today in regards to the tribe. Perfect. Well, I think you're doing it. I think you're living the tribe with this group. You're exposing <laughs> people to all the resources that are out there for it. Um, but yeah, where, where do you want to begin? Let's, um, you know, let's talk about our primary focus, obviously, is with breast cancer. I'd like to take this bigger and the bigger perspective of women's health care, period. Um, you know, going from a let's treat the, the symptom after we have it to preventative care. Um, you know, our health care system is just backwards in all its glory. 
But when we talk about building a tribe, can it will this be like for any woman, even if we don't have a diagnosis, this is kind of, you know, these are the people you need to surround yourself just to live emotionally, physically, spiritually, a good, healthy life. Well, a couple of things. First of all, the, the, when you ask, is this just applied to women dealing with breast cancer or anyone, man mm-hmm. or child dealing with cancer in general, the, the simple answer is up until World War II, <laughs> we were basically kind of these, these units, these, these uh, family units, these community units. We were all very interdependent. You know, we were we were supporting our neighbor. We were doing the proverbial barn raising. We were sharing yeah. in the right raising of our children. We had kind of our roles as you know. I, and I'm you know I'm a modern you know pretty liberal woman, and so when people hear me say this, they're kind of like, "What?" But we had sort of defined roles of you know who was the caregiver, who was the out in the field. With World War II, that changed a lot of things. We changed a lot of things, as you know, Amy, in our environment, specific to the toxins we're now exposed to. We're like, hey, what do we do with all this leftover ammo? Let's put it into pharmaceuticals and agriculture. Great. Sure. So yeah. that changed. Sounds good. Perfect. No, exactly. But we also changed the roles of where women were in, in their right. communities. And the, the one thing is it showed us what we're absolutely capable of. Um, which was awesome. And then suddenly it became this place of, okay, we can do it all, right. but should we? Right. Yeah. And I think that has been our kind of go-to question for the past 75 years of, okay, so we can do it all, but mm-hmm. should we? So redefining, in fact, Amy, you're talking about your own dumping out the bucket and finding out what's going to be new that you decide to put into the bucket into 2022. I think that's important for all of us because some of us really, you know, like I said, as we can do it all, we need to start to choose. And part of that is what has also broken us down and disconnected us further. So we may be the mother, the lover, the corporate executive, the the podcast goddess, the, you know, volunteering at their schools or churches or whatever, like doing it all, but the, 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 the wear and tear on our psyche and our physiology mm-hmm. is enormous. And because of the cultural ideology, if we show weakness, mm-hmm. if we show up there and say, gosh, I need help, or I can't do this, or say no, God forbid, to taking on another project, we're somehow seen less than. Right. The busy yeah. is a badge that we all wear yeah. today. And when I'm interviewing, right? And when I'm interviewing, uh, and we'll specifically talk to the women with breast cancer right now, when I'm evaluating what brought them to that diagnosis, I would say nine times out of 10, if not 10 out of 10, there is this place where they've gotten lost from themselves in the mix. They've been everything to everyone. Yeah. Well, I remember, and I don't mean to interrupt here, but I remember being asked, oh gosh, and I don't even remember how long ago this was, but what do you like to do? And I'm just frozen with, what do you mean? What do I like to do? I mean, I, I'm a mother. I do all of the things for my son. I'm a wife. I'm a, I'm a, a business owner. I'm an employer. I'm a manager. I'm a leader. You know, I have all these hats. But none of them have anything to do with what I enjoy. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I had no answer. How sad yeah. is that? 
It gives me chills because there's three questions I ask every single patient. Number one is, what are you grateful for? Okay. Number two is what brings you joy? So very much to that. And number three, what is your purpose? What did you come here to do? Mm. And those three questions, it's very interesting to me how many people can't answer them. Yeah, I was there. I, 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 I freely admit that's, that was me 10 years ago. Had no idea. And this is huge. And we need, we change our, 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 what brings us joy and our passion and purpose will change over time. You don't have to limit yourself. So perhaps Amy, when you made that change 10 years ago, it was perfect, but it sounds like you're at a crossroad to make another change. We all evolve. We need to keep listening to that. We need to keep leaning into that inner voice, that inner light that's guiding us to the next purpose, you know, Mm -hmm. to the next thing, especially as we finish off certain parts of our lives, like child rearing, you know, or menstruating or post-surgical, you know, uh, menopause Mm -hmm. that might be induced by your cancer treatments has changed the course of your life or your body or your ideology You have to be able to adapt. I think that's the key to today is adaptation um, as well. And and in adapting, that's finding the right people to support the change required to change the soil in which you got sick. Right. Right. You know, coming from, you know, I've been on the patient side of things is I feel as though that is the biggest piece that's missing because it's like I, I didn't want to do treatment. I negotiated. I did four rounds. But then it's like after I was done, I even looked at my oncologist and I was like, what's next? Like, what are my next steps? And there really wasn't anything. And I will even say a lot of these like cancer group support groups that were at the hospital, they were very doom and gloom. And I didn't fit that box. I mean, I was in my 30s. You know, and I was like, I'm not here to die. I'm here to thrive and change. Yet I took it upon myself and I'm happy that I did, but so many people don't even know where to start. So where would you start with this? Well, first, I love that you talk about a very important issue, which is the survivorship issue. So once you ring that bell from standard of care, once you've rung the bell after your radiation or your uh, surgery or, or your five year out from tamoxifen or your chemotherapy, standard of care and our culture basically is like, you're done. Now go back to living the way you were before. Right. So first of all, I want women to hear this and and men and, and, and people in all cancer types are all chronic illnesses. I want them to hear this. You cannot go back to the way it was before. Period. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Because that's what got you into this hot mess to begin with. (laughs) And so that is where, so when you talk about where do we start? What I want people to know is the second that bell rings, either literally or figuratively, that's actually where the work begins. Mm. Actually, where the real journey of healing your cancer process begins. That's your start line bell. (laughs) Exactly. That's like the gun shooting off before, you know, now you're really on. It's like you cleaned the slate and what's behind you is behind you. And now focus forward, fall forward. This is so, so critical. So in that, we need to start with taking an inventory, you know, okay. like a self-audit. So in, in, in my book, The Metabolic Approach to Cancer, that Naomi is so great, you know, gracious about your kudos on that, we have a little 10-part questionnaire 
um, that is up at the front of the of the book. And I'm even happy to share that as our gift with everyone. If they don't want to purchase the book, this is not a book sales discussion. This right. is about how to self-empower. It's basically the audit of yourself, your home, your community. Um, so for instance, like what's in your pantry, you know, what's in your, what's in your garage, what's in your HOA, what's in your neighborhood, what's in your community, what's in your town. Like, this is where you start to look at, especially the toxins that we don't know. Mm -hmm. This is where we start to look at just body care products, but it also has um, a section on mind, body, you know, health and stress response. Those are the big, okay. The big drops in the bucket to also evaluate to start to get very clear on how it is you care for yourself. You may be a rock star at caring for everybody else, but you don't typically get cancer if you also care for yourself. Okay. That's right. been my experience of 30 years in the field. So, you know, personally and professionally that I've yet to meet a, a patient dealing with cancer who was not, you know, um, good at taking care of everybody else, but themselves. <laughs> so that audit is step number one. Okay. Nice. Okay. Step number two is going to be, this is, this is an interesting deviation, but basically step number two is first of all, once you get your diagnosis, breathe, right? Um, The tendency is to want to jump out and read everything online, to listen to all of your well-meaning friends, to just to get one opinion from a, from an oncologist and jump right in. And, you know, cancer didn't show up overnight. You didn't go to bed without it and wake up the next morning. On average, seven to 10 years is how long it takes for a cancer to be big enough and loud enough for us to be aware that it's there. Wow. Wow. So it's been working itself up in your body. And typically, there's kind of a big event within six months to two years from that cancer diagnosis really showing up. So that could be, I want you to, in auditing, I want you to look at what's the last two years of your life been like. And you may get some aha moments there. In those aha moments is where you start to realize where the tribe is needed. Okay. So one of the things we ask in our intake process for our physicians that we consult with on behalf of patients and what we're teaching our TAP, our our terrain advocate program graduates, is we evaluate what their support system is at home and in the community. So again, sadly, um, more than half the time, probably closer to 80% of the time, people do not have a supportive uh, partner, spouse, you know, caregiver, living in home, you know, childcare support. Most, again, there's that, I can do everything. I'm alone. I'm a little island. That's what I find is in the majority of the case. So we need to start to reach out to our resources. One of the hardest discussions is about evaluating the relationships in your life. Okay. This is where it gets heavy. And this is where people have heard me say that sometimes our best medicine is actually a husbandectomy or a partnerectomy or a jobectomy, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so toxic relationships are mm-hmm. very critical to audit, evaluate, and weed out of your garden of your life. Very, very important because we are, we are the essence of the five closest people in our lives. Yeah. Okay, so if it's a toxic boss, or you're the toxic boss, or or toxic work environment, if it's a toxic relationship, if it's a toxic family relationship or friendship relationship, it is so time to reevaluate those. Or if you go to a a place of worship that feels like it's not in alignment with your with your um, spiritual beliefs anymore. Mm -hmm. 
um, or your, you know, whatever it is, you have to start to look at that because that creates this, this, what's the word, cognitive dissonance and this, this loss of coherence in the body that you can't, no matter what supplement, what chemotherapy, what surgery, what diet, what herbal remedy, what meditation, nothing will penetrate that, right? If that field is toxic. Right. Uh, right. right. So, so important. So and important. it's a hard one. It's a real hard hardest. one. Probably the hardest. Because I've literally sat where I've looked at, um, you know, just specific to this group we're speaking to, I've looked at, they're doing everything right on the diet. I'm reading their macronutrients on chronometer. I'm looking at their diet diaries. They're letting me look into their refrigerators and their pantries on their telephones. I know they're doing it totally right. They're checking their blood glucose, their ketone, blood ketones. They're doing, I mean, they're doing all the things on the diet, that side. Their lifestyle, they're up there meditating, they're working out, they're doing weight lift training, they're doing intermittent fasting, they're doing all the right supplements specific to their um, condition and situation and their lab evaluation. And when I see someone still sick, still progressing or recurring, it is always that last drop in the bucket. Um, because for me, I'm always like, I'll go through and I'll evaluate the toxins and everything is what we turn over every single stone. <laughs> and everyone likes to deal with the tangible. Right. But when I suggest that it's intangible, that's where I met with the most resistance because it is the most difficult. And it, so is. it is. It is. And it's the most necessary. Toxins are the number one contributor to disease and inflammation in the body. But where are they? It's confusing, overwhelming, and downright exhausting. Grab my free ebook at bit.ly TWH Blacklist, where I'm going to walk you through the kitchen, the laundry room, the bathroom, and the bedroom, giving you exactly what to avoid. Yep. So in building that support system, you know, if we had all of the financial resources out there, we could all have a personal chef and we could all have, you know, uh, we could all have, you know, a live-in housekeeper and someone helping our kids. Like we could have those things, but most of us don't have those resources. Right. So you ultimately need to find the, the one, like um, many of you probably are familiar with Brene Brown. I love yeah. that woman. And I love her concept of the marble jar. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Those precious marbles to put in that jar, which are the closest inner circle to your being. That might be a spiritual advisor, you know, or a, a place of worship for you that is an outlet for your growth there. That may be um, a dear friend that's just like, let's take a walk. We don't even have to talk. We'll just be in each other's space. That may be a personal trainer that helps you physically tune up this beautiful container that you have so that you can be more resistant with your, you know, metabolically flexible, more stress, you know, resistant and resilient and have an outlet for that stress as well as physically move your body because it's really a powerful tool to overcome a lot of the stressors of these things. Sunshine, for crying out loud, get outdoors at least in the United States, we spend less than 15 minutes outside every day on average. How depressing is that? So I want people to make sure they're out in the sunshine. Like sunshine is one of your inner tribe. As early as you can possibly handle and getting that red light in the first morning and the red light at the last in the evening, if you can't afford a red light device, good old sunshine at dawn and dusk is really powerful to tune your inner, your inner parasympathetic healing nervous system. Yes. Getting into the routine. Sleep is a near tribe. So mm-hmm. making sure if you're the person going to bed after 11 p.m., you're no longer detoxifying. You're no longer um, eliminating. You're no longer repairing. 
That's when our body repairs is between 11 p.m. and 3 a.m. If you're up in that window, you're basically a day late and a dollar short. So if you're someone who's accustomed to going to bed later, start to eat it back every 15 minutes, even if you're just laying in there for a while. Get into some of the routines. So the tribe is these things like nature and routine and rhythm that's free and available to all of us. Feet on the ground. Thank you. Huge, huge, huge. Barefoot on the ground. Or getting mats if you can't be on the ground for whatever reason. Like if you live in an apartment building and you're not on the ground floor, you need to get grounding things. And the further we are, up the higher. Everyone wants to live in the penthouse. But it's also (laughs) energetically one of the most toxic places to live. You have to ground. You either have to go outside regularly, you live off the ground, or create some grounding in your home. Right. That's huge. The walks with the friends, the spiritual support, the relationship piece here is so critical. Your intimate, most intimate partnership needs to be deeply evaluated. Um, and so when there's a, a very interesting, I don't know if you've had anyone speaking to Dr. Homer's work, very controversial, wow. very interesting. But this is a man who, if you, H-A-N-E-R, um, it's also known as the new German medicine field. Oh, yeah. Very, so it's like this mapping. He's been able to do like brain mapping and whatnot to traumas that relate to lesions in the body that cause, you know, that are creating cancer. So a lot of things in breast, the left breast tends to be issues with the child, either not being able to bear children, okay, or having a child that's got some issues or losing a child. And the right side tends to be issues around men and, you know, father, brother, power, partner, dominant boss, toxic male relationships. Those are very big, broad, sweeping um, discussions, but it pans out so true in my practice that it's worth mentioning because it may be the aha click to inspire someone listening to go and dig a little deeper in those terrain 10 bucket drops of the mind, body, and the circadian rhythm and stress patterns that are not the non-tangibles, you know, if you will. So those are huge. And I think the other thing is then making sure you have your standard of care team that you trust, that you feel good with. They may get nothing about your diet or your lifestyle choices or your relationships with the mind, body, or the integrative. That's okay. As long as they're excellent at the lane they're in, and as long as they're supportive of you, and as long as you feel that you can trust them, they're very much part of the marble jar of your cancer, um, ongoing cancer Mm -hmm. care. Okay. And then you really do, I I want, this is what I'm working on, training physicians and training advocates to be there for those because the doctors may be more expensive, but the advocates aren't. And so it kind of hits everybody's budget to find someone who can speak to the whole terrain, not just to the tumor. Yeah. We ignore the terrain. The tumor will come back again and again and again. Okay. So I love that. You know, we in, here in the U.S. anyway, we've become such a specialized, you know, our physicians. And, and so they're only looking at the one very intricate little piece part of the body and not the whole body as as a whole. I think there's some shift in movement, um, you know, otherwise. But, I, I, you know, I remember when my brother was alive, uh, you know, there were so many specialists and and then none of them were talking to each other. So there were medications that would be interacting with stuff that, you know, one of the other ones had him on and it was crazy. And I was his advocate. So I had to understand all of this. Um, and that's that gets that gets hard uh, and stressful. 
very hard. And I, I love that, you know, that's part of what we're trying to empower the patient, but we're also trying to empower the physician and we're trying to empower the advocate so that everyone knows what stones to keep looking under. They also right. start to feel like the advocate can be there to be what you did for your brother to say, give me your list of supplements, give me your list of medications. Let me take a look at them and see if anything stands out to me. And let me make sure your doctor sees this list. Right. Yeah. You know? Because they often don't. So where you have seven minutes on average as a physician to see your patient, even a functional or naturopathic or integrative physician today is still limited on time because that's just the nature of the beast. And so having an advocate to be that direct line, lifeline. I love that. The patient, they right. get to say, hey, did you, did you, you know, I'm noticing they're having these symptoms, but did you happen to look at this list and see if anything here could be contributing to this right. instead of putting on another drug? Right. Yeah. Another tr- or another herb to treat that symptom. Right. It's, it's, we got to do that. So your bucket now is the one closest friend, the one closest spiritual advisor. Maybe that spiritual advisor is walks in nature. I mean, right. me, I, I can be with God in nature. That's where it happens for me. Mm-hmm. Right. And then mm-hmm. like evaluating your most intimate relationship. Is it broken? Does it need fix? Does it need support? Does it need a tune up with some therapy? Does it need separation, a divorce? Does it need some, some different input or output uh, of, the, of the machine? Looking at your integrative team, you know, mm-hmm. whether it's a coach, whether it's an integrative practitioner, whether it's an integrative nutritionist, if, if you're really struggling with a dietary piece, make sure you get someone who knows that realm. And then your standard of care team. Mm-hmm. Now, it's best if they're also amenable and open to an integrative approach, but it's not impossible if they aren't, okay? Mm-hmm. You need them to do what they do best. Those are such critical people for you. And then the other thing to help cultivate more gratitude, volunteer. And it might be once a month you go and volunteer walking dogs at the Humane Society. Now, that would be a problem for me because I would take them all home. But (laughs) like whatever it is, it doesn't have to be much. Um, I have a friend, Terry Wingham, who has a, a community called A Fresh Chapter, and she takes cancer survivors and thrivers and people going through treatment all over the world to do volunteer work. Because mm-hmm. you get oh. so, right? She's, she'd be great for you guys to interview. Oh, I'd love she's to connect with her. Really fantastic. And she, like the, the power of like, when we get this diagnosis, we, it's all consuming. We become the diagnosis. We forget that we're also a woman, a mother, that we have other interests, that we're excellent at other things. You know, that getting outside of ourselves and helping others in need helps mm. reframe our own situation, create a new perspective. So key. Um, and I encourage people to look at nursing homes. There are so many of our elderly that have no one coming to visit them on um, they're all alone. And what a great um, place that that could be that you could go and be a visitor for yeah. them and sit yeah. with them, even if it's, you know, 10 minutes at a time. Um, so, so needed. What and, you know, and that whole volunteer thing is you're thinking of someone else. You can't be depressed right. during that time. Right. And I do know a personal um, story of one of my girlfriend's husbands was diagnosed with an extremely rare type of cancer when our girls were all little. And I remember he quit his job. Like the board of directors said, we will pay for your care, do whatever. Cause they gave him three months to live. And so what he was like, all right, he went to start to go volunteer daily at the food shelter in Chicago, because we lived in the city at the time, started to write a book, started to change the conversation about our neighborhoods and how we needed to be out there serving and doing stuff. Finally, after five years, he was like, I guess I should probably go get a job because I'm still living. (laughs) 
but to give, you know, he gave himself, he gave back. And I think that's such a huge piece that we forget about. Huge, huge. And it's interesting because in my private practice for 17 years, when I would do pro bono work, I'll tell you right here and now, those were the people with the worst outcomes. Okay. When there was no reciprocity, when there was no energetic exchange, when there was no input, you know, on whatever level, financially, emotionally, whatever, it doesn't, it's, it, it, it doesn't pan out. And so an example of this, because the other thing about an integrative approach to oncology is it's very expensive. Mm-hmm. And Western medicine always gets, says two things to, to me or to my patients. They say, number one, um, these are charlatans. They just want your money. That's what you'll hear. Um, number two, they'll say there's no research. So that is what, in my vision, 28 years ago, two years into a terminal diagnosis, similar to your friend, where I was given less than three months, and here it was a couple years, I'm like, well, I'm still here. The cancer is still in my body, but I'm managing it. I'm living with it. What's going on? Um, I started getting these visions of this place, this place, this sort of mythical place that is no longer a myth, and it's this integrative uh, residential hospital and research institute specific in Southeast Arizona, specific to integrative oncology, MTI of Health, Metabolic Terrain Institute of Health, um, mtiofhealth.org in Southeast Arizona. This is the model. It is the new model that we're building to change healthcare in general and cancer specifically. And it's a, it's a, it's a reciprocity because then we'll have scholarships and grants and it'll be cash pay and it'll be out of the monster of, of insurance a little bit. We also want to make it affordable for those who can pay cash, as well as for folks who would otherwise never get to see an integrative provider because of their financial situation, we'll have grants and scholarships to make that accessible for everybody. But the caveat or the catch, the, the string attached is that you have to exchange something. So we're on a 300 acre piece of property where we'll have all, we'll be raising all of our own food, all organic orchards, um, you know, farming, uh, ranching, everything. Maybe you're out shucking stalls. Maybe you're out picking weeds. Maybe you're picking the herbs for the preparation in the farm to table kitchen that's going to be um, shared with the campus of the hospital or with the public. Maybe you're off helping out at the equine center. You know, maybe you're over helping tend to the tes- the temescal and the sweat lodge to help get the next you know fire ready. Maybe you're you know like maybe you're reading. Maybe you're too sick to do much, but maybe you could read to the little kids that are there while their mothers are going through treatment. You know, you go and volunteer on the pediatric oncology wing. Maybe you could, like, there's so much here that it's got to be something. Everybody has a skill. Everybody has something to give, even at their deepest, darkest, sickest times. I've had people literally on their deathbeds offer up just beautiful insights or prayers, or um, maybe they could, maybe they could still read. Maybe they could sing. Maybe they could get up and play at the, play at the piano. Those are energetic exchanges. And so that also is what we see increased outcomes for people who are just like the beautiful, beautiful story that Naomi shared with us. When we give, we have more resilience. We have more vital force. And that is critical to the tribe as well. What can you give in the midst when you're at your lowest? Mm. Dr. Nash, this is... uh... So, so, so good. I I think we could keep going on and on and on with this, which would be amazing. But 
we can't. <laughs> so, uh, uh, and I love that you wrap this up with the, you know, the vision and the dream of, of the center in, in Southwest Arizona or yeah. Southeast, Southeast, Southeast Arizona there. Um, how can people get a hold of you? I know we're scrolling uh, the website here, Dr. Nasha, at the at the bottom of the screen. So, and I know that you say you've got some offerings there up at the website. If we want to make sure that people understand, my, you know, what's what's there and what's available. Obviously, we want you to go to mtiofhealth.org. If this is calling on your heartstring, please make a donation. Um, let's make this a reality and help this organization continue to grow. Perfect. Well, that you've got the biggest, the biggest spots to find me you have scrolling here, which is great. But on my website, you can um, click on the five steps basically of, of a cancer diagnosis or a cancer recurrence. It really speaks to this tribe piece as one of those steps as well. So you can reframe that as well as a few other little pearls in there. And then I'd also like to offer the gift of the Terrain 10 questionnaire. And we'll make sure that our team um, gets that available to you. So you can start your own personal audit. Or if you've done it, look at it again. We want right. people to reevaluate it annually, at least just to make sure they've like checked things off the list. And so I also on that, Dr. Nation, you can opt in for my newsletter, which is keeping you up to speed on all the projects I'm involved in from my book. Um, my co-author, Justin and I are working on a next edition. We yes. have a book launching next month, um, uh, Mistletoe and the Emerging Field of Integrative Oncology, which I'm very excited to be coming out, um, constantly training more physicians and advocates. So we are busy. Please check out what we're up to in the newsletter. We'll always give you lots of great um, information there as well. I love that. I love it. And of course, we can't end our time together without asking the question, what one thing can women do to live a healthy preventative lifestyle? Wow. I think we talked to a lot of it today in that tribe. But I really want you to remember that you are wise, that you have all of the answers already, and that you are a vessel to connect with that, you know, higher self, um, whatever that means to you. And that if you can be still enough and quiet enough and centered enough and get rid of all the riffraff around you and all the shoulds and coulds and woulds around you, you will actually find serenity and you will actually find a lot of the answers that are needed to help you through this journey. And so I continue to hold that vision that we can all access that inner wisdom um, and that collective wisdom to continue to, to thrive. Oh, I love that. Absolutely beautiful. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. It's been a blessing. That's all for this episode of The Toxin Terminator. And we hope we've helped you remove the hidden toxins in your life for renewed health. If you're looking to continue your journey towards full rejuvenation, reach out to Amy directly by visiting amycarlson.com for your own one-on-one -on -one chat session, as well as your free toxic risk assessment. That's A-I-M-E-E carlson.com. And remember, you are just one small change away from renewed health.